Footsteps of Jesus from Down Under. Welcome to the program. This is Nick Kurita and I'm very happy to be with you today. I've got a dear friend with me here, Alan Hoflichter, and he will be sharing with us his amazing walk with Jesus. Alan, welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. It's very good to have you here, Alan, and we were talking about this for um, some time, and uh, you you mentioned to me that you're not a person to talk to many people, you know, but uh, as I mentioned to you, uh, you are just you and me and many others out there, (laughs) just giving, uh, trying to give you a bit of uh, courage. Alan, uh, it's so nice to have you here with us today. Could you please just share a little bit uh, before we go into your story uh, what's your background i mean that uh, name hofrichter um, to me sounds a little bit more like a german name is that a german name or something yeah that that's correct back in uh, 1850 odd uh, my great great grandparents came out here as lutherans religious persecution and um We've been here ever since. We were the first people ever to set foot on the west coast mm. of Australia and uh the hardships they suffered was wonderful, but um yes, uh since that time I'm a good old Aussie. All good, very good. Alan, uh, just take us through your your story and share with us how God uh, worked in your life even from childhood. Thank you, Nick. Well, when mum and dad were married, Mum was a Methodist and dad was a Lutheran and although dad was a strict Lutheran in his upbringing mum and dad rarely went to church however when I was born there seemed to be a real need for me to be dedicated in some way to God and hence I was christened in the then Methodist church then around 8 years of age I was introduced into Sunday school and I grew up learning of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and quite a few wonderful bible stories that most of us grew up with and as i attended on sundays at church i even led a few children's sunday school classes but not a lot and then around 20 years of age i went to a witness evening at our church one night and heard a reformed prisoner named Barry Good speak on how god had changed his life while he was in prison And as I walked home that night I remember the first sparks of God's holy spirit began to work in my life. And I decided I'd I'd read the holy bible for myself nice and slowly and all the way through. And I I wanted to try and see what God wanted to say to me personally. Reading God's word started a change in me that I never believed or thought would happen. From this point on I started to question what was being told at the church nothing serious at all or they preached was good and true but it seemed to fall short of what god was saying to me as life moved on most every night I would pick up the minister of our church and we would visit needy folk and take food and fellowship with them and I loved this and I enjoyed the minister's company a great deal and respected him very much So on dropping him home after visits and while I had him in the car I would ask him questions that I felt needed answers to and these were all being as a result of my bible reading program home 
Questions came up like, Reverend, would you baptise me by immersion? I would love to make a mature commitment for my life to Jesus, just like the Bible says. And I received an answer I did not expect to hear. Sorry, I can't do this, Alan. My superiors will not allow it, even privately. Uh, I would get into trouble, and his reasons were being that I'd already been christened as a baby, and this was all I needed. Another question that really worried me was, why don't we worship on Sabbath? The Bible, as I read it, speaks of God's Ten Commandments, and he says, remember my Sabbath day and keep it holy. He talks about six days, we can do all our work, but on the seventh day, this is his Sabbath of the Lord God, and he tells us that he's made the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he, God Almighty, rested. He blessed this day, hallowed it, and made it holy. And surely, I said to the Reverend, we know that Sunday's not Saturday. In answering this, he informed me of God's grace, of salvation through faith and not works. And Sunday had now been accepted as a day of worship. And also, he added, and rightfully so, you worship God every day with prayer and living for him. At this point, I felt an overpowering. This is not quite right. I must go further and do more about finding out the truth. And I remember casually in praying and asking God to help me with his will and show me his way in all this. So the very next morning, I took up the phone book from and looked for a Saturday-keeping church. I found a number at Prospect of a Seventh-day Adventist church, so I rang them to inquire about their faith and reasons for keeping Saturday. I asked the Seventh-day folk if they could send me out some literature about their faith and what they taught on Jesus Christ, and they said, yes, I'd love to, and they took my address and assured me it will get into the post and be with me in five working days. Now, I must add at this point, of time for my story that it was around 32 years ago and there was no mobile phones in existence and no computers for my knowledge. I hung up the phone that day content with my effort and went on with my work. But within five minutes there was a knock on the front door and on answering it a short almost jolly gentleman with a lovely smile was saying to me, good morning, how are you today? He went on to say, I know this is very out of place and peculiar, but I'm a pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and was just going down Saints Road and I felt an overpowering feeling to door-knock the doors of homes in your street. I must add at this point that my street is not Saints Road but runs parallel some 50 metres in, in from that. And I found this very unusual, almost impossible to be happening, that he would pick my street and my home. But the good pastor invited us to attend his home to a special Bible study on Daniel and to see the valuable future prophecies this book contained. This blew me away. No mobiles, mind you. I said, I just got through talking to you folk at Prospect. How did you know? And the pastor said, sorry, what? 
I don't know of your call. I, I just had a feeling I should knock this street. And I try to listen to God's spirit when he talks to me as I drive. To me, this was more than anything I could fathom, and I immediately, without thought, said, I'd love to come. Then telling the pastor excitedly of my recent questions to the office at Prospect and the phone calls that I'd just made. The Bible studies were amazing, so full of God's word, and all my needs and questions were now being answered by the very God that I asked to help me with these questions. Baptism, Sabbath-keeping, they were just the tip of the iceberg. and I was enthralled with these gentle folk. Time moved on, and after quite some time, I decided to leave the Uniting Church and my close friends in faith and join the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, Alan, uh, if I could just um, interrupt you for a moment there. Now, to make a decision like that, probably in a short period of time, you know, I mean, that's amazing. And God must work into your life also as he was working into the lives of those people who visited you, who were hearing God's uh, voice and were impressed to visit you. The reason I I stopped you here is because our program (coughs) is just uh, doing that. We're trying to share our work with Jesus to be able to share with many other people out there Mm. that somebody may be challenged, impressed, you know, and they may consider to walk with Jesus Mm. as God requires, Mm. not as our background is, you know, because all of us, we grew up from different backgrounds, you know, different uh, upbringing in religion and so on, but it's so important to listen to God's voice. But I'll let you just continue with this amazing story. Yeah, well, I, I realise what you're saying and the move that I made the decision to do was quite immense at the time. Immediately it presented some big issues of faith that came very quickly clear to me and I was forewarned by our past, the pastor at the time that I may well arrive in a situation of problems with the Saturday I needed off. Mm. But I knew this was my choice. I managed the hardware at this time in Gawler and worked six days a week, seven days a week most of the time and uh, the manager was mostly needed on the weekends because of the enormous volume of customer. I prayed for guidance that somehow my big boss, when I told him, I knew it would be a problem. A week later I told my boss of my new faith and its requirements and that I'd now need Saturdays off. Please? (laughs) However, he said... "Um, I said to him, I'll be willing to work on Sundays each week and I'd even be prepared to accept a single time pay instead of double time on the Sunday. And I thank God that this was acceptable to him and all went so well from me in business after this decision was worked out in time. I couldn't believe it. I thought I was in real strife. In fact, business rapidly increased by 10% in the coming months. Another capable worker had volunteered to work on the Saturday for me and at this time he wasn't a Christian and from then on I just did six days a week. God always seems to help us if we really apply our faith in him as we work in his service. And again, uh, I just want to add to that. uh, In my own story, I had a similar experience. 
but at that time myself actually I lost the job when I decided right. to keep Sabbath. I lost the job and God amazingly find me another job yeah. in the same day. Yeah. But um, that story I may share uh, another time with our listeners. Yeah. God does work in incredible ways. Uh, my next challenge in faith uh, and the desperate need I had came because I was a heavy smoker. I was smoking about 50 a day and I knew the habit had to go if I was to be genuine in my faith. By this time, it wasn't going to be easy and so I prayed about it and I tried so hard to quit. I went up to two weeks without a cigarette at one time and 10 days another time, but each time... I deceived myself into taking just one cigarette, maybe at a party one night, I remember. My guard was down, and the next morning, I was smoking again. I was feeling as that I had no hope of doing anything about this. I was just too hard to give up smoking. My work was very constant, 10 hours a day, at least six days a week. So this reminded my, me of my comfort tool, my cigarettes, and I needed them now more than then. Also, one night, my young children come and sat on my knee. They looked up into my face and said, Daddy, we don't want you to die. <laughs> I remember, boy, please give up smoking for us. No doubt this was inspired by my lovely wife and her wishes also. <laughs> mm. I was touched and taken down by my children. But the very next morning... I would sit on the side of the bed at 5.30 in the morning before rising and light up a fag. I know, I was a bit of a fire hazard as well. At this stage I was smoking at least 50 a day and then it happened. I remember one lunchtime at the store I had sent all the staff to lunch. That left my accountant and myself coming out of the office. His name was Ross and we went into customer service mode while the staff had a break. It was midday and my headache was already pounding from 25 cigarettes and it was screaming in the front of my head as I lit another cigarette. I remember the day like it was yesterday. My head was pounding as I lit up the next cigarette and I said to Ross, the only person that was in the store at the time, Ross, I wish God would help me give up these cigarettes. They're literally killing me. I might point out at this time the counter was actually 25 metres into the shop and away from the front door. Also, anyone passing the door could not hear us talking. I know this because later we repeated the test of being able to hear from the door several times and it was just not possible. Then, the very instant I had wished God would help me, a small hunched-over man appeared in the light of the doorway it was an eerie experience and he was truly quite hunched over the poor chap. And later, Ross, who had lived in Gawler all of his life and knew everyone in those days, he said he had never seen this gentleman before except and never after. This little man walked up to the counter, bent his head awkwardly upwards, looked straight into my eyes and said, "'Want to give up smoking?' Taken back, I said, yes, sir, I certainly would, but I'm not able to do it. In his arms were some magazines. A little man took one and said, here you are. Would you be able to afford a dollar? I said, yes. I gave him the money. 
and received a magazine. Then he said, good day to you, and walked out of our lives never to be seen again. That night, I quietly went away to my room and sat on the bed and started to read the magazines. It was all about smoking and damage it caused, and in some very graphic photos of lungs, etc., of people who had passed on and had died, who had smoked heavily all their lives, their lungs were jet black. Then it showed lungs of non-smokers, however, and they were a lovely creamy white colour. That really disturbed me a great deal, I must admit. I read on to the end of the magazine, and it finally said after reading this, if you're sincere about giving up smoking, here's a couple of steps to take. And only remember this, that you need to be very sincere as you do this. Well, at this point, after reading this book, I was willing to try any suggestions they offered, and they were simple and, I f and as follows. They said, go quietly to where you won't be disturbed for five minutes. Settle down and try and be still before the Lord God, and then simply tell him your problem. Whether you feel you know him or not, ask him to please help you because you're not able to do this task on your own. Ask him in Jesus' precious name for this desperate help and then as much as you can understand, place your trust in Jesus to help you with this. It was really quite weird because I remember it was about 9.30 and all of a sudden I felt very tired. So I told my wife I'd hit the sack early. Then just like that it was morning and I woke up and I felt a million dollars, which was very unusual. Now, normally I would sit on the side of the bed and reach for a cigarette, as you know, but I simply had no feeling of need for one. And I kid you not, that was the truth. I rose dressed and breakfasted normally before I left home to go to work. By this time I would have had at least three cigarettes by now, but I just had no need for one. By the time I arrived at work in the car, five cigarettes would have normally been an easy effort. The staff don't arrive for another hour, so I get the jump on all the folk, still not out and about. I started putting things out the front of the hardware store for the day's display on the sidewalk. No one is about. Streets are deserted. Then all of a sudden, I hear a very clear, clear voice from behind me. Now, remember... Never take another cigarette and you'll never need another one. I turned rapidly to the voice. There's no one there. Then in the same instant, those few words spoken seemed to take on a whole new understanding of clarity in my mind. It was amazing as though I'd read three pages of text. I don't know how, but I just understood it all and what would happen if I did not heed the words. I remembered replying blindly and amazed at the experience. It seemed to me to be no one there. I said, a bewildered, OK. To this day, some 35 years have passed. I've never felt like another cigarette and I've never smoked another one. It has been amazing indeed. God did indeed hear and answer my prayer. There was no other explanation. I remember before then... When I was trying to give up, I had experience of terrible withdrawal symptoms. And I won't go into how that felt. 
This was truly the beginning of my faith in a wonderful Lord and God who answers my prayers. He does not say yes to all my prayers and my requests, but God has answered so many prayers since that day, and I know that the key to God's love in my life is having a total faith in him and trusting in his care. I ask him, I leave it in his caring hands and then trusting his goodwill to be done in all my needs. God will work it out for you and for me, and his best solutions will come always. Then a wondrous peace when you give this faith comes into your life right along with everything else when you place your faith in God and his precious son, Jesus. And Alan, again uh, here, I just want to... Yeah, to take a little break and uh, just to acknowledge that uh, experience which you had. Mm. Because myself, I had a similar one when I was trying to give up smoking. Right. Uh, and I remember for one year, I didn't buy any cigarettes, but I was still smoking the same because all my mates will hand me a cigarette. <laughs> and uh, until I had um, put myself fully in God's hands, yes, and I said, right. God, I cannot do it. Yeah. But I know that you can do it. And you know what? I never remember when I give it up, but I give it up just like that, just like that mm. at once. Yeah. Look, now it's time to take a short break. Okay. And uh, we'll uh, come back to finish Alan's story. Please don't go anywhere. Stay with us. This is In the Footsteps of Jesus from Down Under. I've got a nice song by a German group called <laughs> Harmony Quartet. And the song it's entitled Jesus saves. The church has been silent while the world raised its voice. Loud and angry tones, they took the lead But all across creation, there's a rumbling in the hills As the chosen ones of God stand up to make His message known I'm gonna shout it from the housetops, proclaim it from the mountaintops Tell the world around me, Jesus saves I'm gonna make a joyful noise The world will hear my voice Jesus saves The rocks and hills were ready To proclaim the Savior's might But the Spirit of the Lord said They should wait You see God knew His children Were ready to march on and proclaim his word throughout the land and seal the devil's fate. But the word still tells us daily that God is not alive. Salvation's plan is just a fairy tale. But their lives don't change the truth that Jesus died for you. And the word says he's returning. It's happened and Shout it from the housetops, proclaim it from the mountaintops, tell the world around me Jesus saves. 
Yes, indeed. Jesus saves. Welcome back to the program. Alan Hofrichter is our guest today and he's sharing his amazing story. Alan, take us further. Yeah, right. Thank you, Nick. Well, next came the glorious day in 1986 of my baptism. There was to be about three of us to be baptized that day at the Prospect Seventh-day Adventist Church on two others Michelle, a lovely lady, and Wolfgang. And since that day, the lady who gave her life with me to Jesus, along with me in the baptismal pool, has been a wonderful, lifelong friend. Every year we celebrate each other's birthdays together with a lovely lunch and are always at each other's call when needed. But another beautiful thing happened that day, a beautiful surprise the Lord had for me, On the day of my baptism, as I looked out on the congregation after I got over my nerves, I noticed with absolute delight that some 12 family couples that I had missed so very much from the Uniting Church were all sitting in the congregation supporting my choice. It was like putting a cherry on the top of a magnificent day and chapter in my life and what is now a wonderful walk with the Lord Jesus. Then the next miracle come to me. Then there was my other miracle that God answered with my beloved daughter. She was now about 17 years old, and you all know how rebellious they can be at that age. She had started courting with this young man that I did not know in any way. Well, not at all. On leaving the home this particular night, To go on a date with him, I stopped her in the lobby. She had jet black miniskirt on and a low plunging neckline, and she was 17. I did not think wisely. You know how fathers feel at this point. So I stopped her and I asked her politely to go into her room right now and change into something less provocative with nice soft colours and a feminine outlook. My dear daughter was enraged with me immediately and stormed out the door telling me she would wear what she wanted, that I'm a big girl now. (laughs) From that evening on, she stopped talking with me and her anger was obvious. And every night I would greet her as she come in home from work and 
she would brush past me and go to her room without saying a word and with obvious outrage at me. Well, this went on for three months and I was out of my mind with distress at this young lady I loved and how she was treating me. I, it got to a point that I, I couldn't take it. Each night was the same. She totally ignored me. I was so hurt this particular night that I raced out into the night and found a bus stop about a kilometre away and sat down and started to weep and plead to the Lord. I wondered if he was really there. Surely he had heard my prayers, but he had not answered me in any way. So I pleaded earnestly to God at that instant. As I looked to the starry heavens, I said, Father, if you really care about us and hear our prayers, I pray with all my heart, please show me you hear me. I'm going home now. I pray, please soften my daughter's heart and heal this disdain she has been showing for me. Thank you, dear Father. Please do this for me. I got up and I walked home, not knowing or truthfully really expecting any immediate response. I opened the door and there in the lobby was my daughter, distraught and in tears. She raced to my arms and said, Daddy, I'm so sorry for what I've done and have been doing to you. Please forgive me. Well, that was so wonderful. I held her so tight that night and thanked God for his amazing goodness. And I knew from that night onwards that God truly and absolutely hears our prayers. Later I asked my wife if I was... While I was away, did she say anything to our daughter to inspire her to change so radically? And she assured me she never said a word to our daughter that night or any other night. By the way, my daughter is 43 years old now, and we are absolutely inseparable. From that night on, how wonderful is the Lord God that's changed such an experience, and in an instant, with his Holy Spirit, it's because he loves us, you know, and it's just beyond imagining. He even sent his son to pay for our sins. I could go on about my Saviour and how he's changed my life as I serve him. Like last week, brake pads, the bloke tells me 90,000 K and I've only got 5% wear. Bills have been paid when I wondered how the earth I would find the money. So many things that tell me I'm always in his loving care. It is simply the very best feeling and knowledge any person could desire. God has promised he will never forsake me or leave me alone. And he's kept every word of his promise. Thanks, Nick. Thank you very much for that wonderful story, Alan. And I uh, am so thrilled that we could um, share this with our listeners. And I'm pretty sure that we may be able to even continue more with some of the miracles happening in your life. Alan, I wish all God's blessings to you and to your family. And to you, Nick. And thank you very much. Thank you for uh, being able to come here and share with us uh, this amazing story. Until next time, may God bless you all 
and keep safe walking in the footsteps of Jesus.